Next, I'd like to introduce our key speaker and his title of his speech. I, I don't know if he knows this or not, but Breaking Through the Storm. And this person is George Abbott, and he is one make your way up here, George. Yeah. He's president and CEO of the Lighthouse for the Blind Incorporated. Yay, George! George received a BS in finance and an MS in blind adult rehabilitation at Northern Illinois University. He grew up in the Chicago, we got him here now, area. Prior to joining the Lighthouse, he worked in a variety of management positions at the American Foundation for the Blind and, and with Hadley. He started his career teaching access technology at the Idaho Commission for the Blind and Visually Impaired and at Heinz Veterans Affairs Central Blind Rehabilitation Center. Welcome, George. Thank you. All right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Well, good morning. It's so great to be with you and to be in person. I'm starting to get to more uh, business travel and conventions. And it, just the energy that people are feeling when they're getting back together seems so great. So I assumed uh, when I saw the theme of breaking through the storm, at least in part, it was probably a nod to us getting over the out of the COVID pandemic. So I started thinking, you know, we constantly are breaking through storms as we pro progress through our lives. And storms have some similarities to many of the challenges we face, I think. Uh, there's a degree of surprise and uncertainty. You may be forced to make some pretty major decisions in short order. There's an element of discomfort and the duration and the severity will vary, although we do know eventually they pass. So, you know, you come through, when you come through the storm, what do you do? I think you you assess the new situation, you regroup, and then you take the next step forward. Think of, the, of these storms and challenges as speed bumps, but not roadblocks. Um, I wanted to share with you during my time just a little bit about, about me. I'm new to this area and, and new to meeting most of you. So I hope telling you a little bit about me uh, personally, sharing some of my personal storms even, uh, I thought could be beneficial. I think it'll show you who I am and sort of why, what I'm concerned about and what my philosophy uh, might be around certain areas. And frankly, that leads into why I'm really honored and proud to be a part of the Lighthouse. And uh, so I'll tell you also how I got to the Lighthouse and uh, a little bit about what the Lighthouse is. I, I know many of you know it, some may not. And I want to tell you kind of what we're up to and what we do and where we're heading. So my personal story, I've been blind since birth. I have uh, underdeveloped optic nerves, essentially. I'm the oldest kid in my family, the only one blind in all of my family and frankly, most of my neighborhood that I grew up into. Um, my mother was eight months pregnant with my next brother when at the age of 28, my father passed away of cancer. So my mom was left with a four and a half year old blind kid a month away from delivering her next kid, husband dead. And she had never worked a day of her life outside of the house. So our home was pretty much in turmoil. Um, and, and I did grow up in a, in a suburb of Chicago, uh, as was mentioned. So a couple of things. One, um, first of all, I didn't really know any other blind people. And it was probably took me to about age four or so before I realized that I really was different and that this blindness thing was, was, was something a little bit that every, you know, everyone else wasn't dealing with. The other kids weren't running into cars and trees and scraping themselves. For some reason, the adults were not telling them not to do stuff, although they kept trying to hold me back. I didn't really listen very well. Um, I really just wanted to do what my cousins were doing and what the neighborhood kids were doing. So I was riding bikes and climbing trees and playing tag like everyone else, right? And I think a lot of us have done that. 
then we go into, uh, you know, those early days of education. And again, my mother is not really sure what to do. She's relying, frankly, on, on others to help figure out what, what this blind kid is capable of or uh, how to get through school, all that sort of thing. So I start my, my early days of school going uh, to a resource room out of district where they had many blind kids coming in from around different communities. I rode the little bus for yeah. a long time. With yeah. And then I went on to get itinerant services when I was in fifth grade. I, I wanted to go back to my home school, you know, where I was always hanging out with my friends. I wanted to walk to school and ride the bike to school um, and, and go to the classes with, with people in my neighborhood. And I didn't want to ride the bus. And so I did that until uh, I was through eighth grade. And then uh, when I came to high school, um, I went back out of district because the high school that had a resource room was frankly a, a really good high school. I knew my future was probably going to depend on me going to college. I thought I'd get good preparation from that. And so I used the resource room as a homeroom, but I was mainstreamed through the high school uh, the rest of the time. Oh, and I meant to ask just to get a sense of the audience before I go any further. Uh, how many folks in here are currently or have been Lighthouse employees? Awesome. And do we have any sighted parents of blind children with us? Yes. Awesome. Great that you, it's so great that you're here. Yep. And do we have any um, any professionals, any TVIs or O&Ms in the room? All right. Okay, good. Good. So, you know, all of my friends as I was growing up, you know, eventually they started to do these things like playing on sports teams. They were on Little League and Park District Basketball and all these things. And I was starting to have this little sense of feeling left out. And as I got older, that that became a little more profound. And I realized, man, I really am being excluded from more and more things. I even tried to get into a Cub Scout uh, chapter or a Boy Scout chapter. I mean, and I was denied. They they didn't think it'd be safe for a blind kid to be in their troop. So, you know, at this point, my mother uh, was, was with who became my stepdad. They ultimately had two more children. So I have three sighted siblings all spread out over the years younger than me. But my mom and stepdad were not, they were not good advocates. Uh, they knew little about supporting a blind kid. Frankly, they did not have positive beliefs about what was possible for my future. And they really had low expectations. I don't think they were being bad people. I think they didn't know. They could have tried a little harder. But the truth is, you know, they weren't doing this out of being bad people. They just didn't know. And I think so many of us and so many people we know come from situations like that. So I, now I get into junior high school and I had the, you know, such a great opportunity. My orientation and mobility specialist introduced me to some high school kids who were forming a goalball team. I thought goalball, a sport for blind people, it's competitive. Uh, we even get to go travel on weekends once in a while and go out of state. That was pretty cool. So I got involved in that. And you know what the best part of it was? I got to meet blind adults who lived independently had a variety of jobs, and I literally started to see what was possible. It was huge. It was huge. So, you know, I'll say this to any parent uh, raising a blind child. Boy, if you can expose your kid sooner than later to a blind adult, it's, and, and more the merrier, uh, it's really helpful. So I ran into some pretty fierce storms in my teen years. I think teenagers generally do. But I will tell you, I started to have a real growing sense of the differences between me and my sighted uh, friends and, and peers. You know, they were uh, getting their driver's licenses, and that expanded their freedom. They were getting their first jobs and money in their pockets, and they were dating. This was hard for me because, you know, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a job. 
didn't have money. And my buddies were less and less available, to be honest. And the dating scene didn't go all that great either. Although I will tell you, I had a plethora of girls who told me that they thought of me as a brother. Sound familiar? Yeah. So, you know, I really did have a feeling of being limited and, uh, and lonely. That really started to set in. By the way, I will tell you that although I'm talking about storms, my life was not a bunch of storms. And I really had a lot of fun and I even found a little mischief. So uh, this is not all doom and gloom, but I'm using these as a way to share a few points with you and, and get a little personal. Um, a few things that pulled me through this time in, in high school, though, that were helpful. Uh, I joined uh, the wrestling team. I found a community in joining the wrestling team, and I was fairly competitive. The only sighted kid in many districts who was doing it. I wasn't uh, any kind of a state champion, but I really held my own. And boy, can I tell you good and bad stories about referees and my competitors and <laughs> the assumptions people would make. Oh, it was a lot of fun. The best was when We'd go and weigh in at the scales because you'd weigh in with your opponent. And then the, sometimes the kid would walk away and you'd hear him going back to his friends, clapping his hands, going, I cut the blind guy. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and I loved pinning those guys and winning the match. Anyway, I also had the really good fortune, though, to live where I did. I lived in a suburb where the resources were decent in education. And I had some really innovative, very dedicated professionals, my teachers of students with visual impairments orientation and mobility specialists, they believed in me. Um, they believed in my future. They set goals. They held me accountable. They pushed me. And this clearly did a lot for my confidence. I mean, it really wasn't. Unfortunately, not everyone gets that opportunity. It, sometimes it's really where you live and then how you self-advocate or, or have someone to advocate for you. Uh, I was having a fair amount of doubts, you know, through, throughout my time. And it wasn't, it wasn't me doubting myself. It was me doubting the opportunities I would get to be independent, to work and do those things because other people's expectations or misconceptions or people putting up roadblocks that I just didn't see a way around. So I will say I cannot thank or sing the praises enough of the professionals who work with blind children. Thank you all. So I had this opportunity. Some of us did. This was back in the 80s. I'm 54 in a couple of weeks. I had these opportunities where they had these summer youth employment programs for kids with disabilities. And I went, I went through a few of those a few summers in a row. And they were the most fantastic things for me. I had to learn to be on time, which, which I was pretty good at. I took my things pretty seriously. But I had to learn how to interact in a workplace. I had to problem solve. I, I was held accountable. And I got money in my pocket. And I got to decide how to spend it. That was really cool. And that eventually gave me the confidence to go on and get a real job. Um, I did have some some interesting challenges trying to get work as a blind high school kid, but I did land a job eventually as a telemarketer for a local newspaper. And that went really well until they went bankrupt, but it gave me something to put on the resume and it gave me experience. So another really important lesson, many of you know this, but uh, just those early introductions to the workplace and work experiences cannot push that enough. So in my junior year of high school, uh, I go home one day and sit down at dinner and I inform my, my folks, I'm, pra I'm taking some practice tests for the upcoming ACT. I'm going to take that on the weekend. And after they asked what that was, and I explained it's an entry to get into college, uh, my stepdad said, uh, why would you bother taking the ACT and why would you go to college? No one will ever hire you. You are going to live at home and we'll take care of you for the rest of your life. My response was, well... When I leave this house and go to college, I'll never look back. And uh, he laughed and said, we'll see. I never. And my folks have a slightly different perception today. 
Can I take one of my lessons here? Again, it will, it will not be unfamiliar to many of you, but sometimes the family, as well as intentioned as they are, they're really the biggest hurdle, the biggest barrier. And we really need parents to have high expectations of their blind kids. You know, blind kids need to be doing what their sighted siblings are accountable and responsible for, making the bed and taking out the trash, doing the dishes. No reason not to do that. Got to learn early that you're accountable. So then we get to the college days, and uh, you heard I, I have a bachelor's degree in finance with a minor in economics. I have a master's in rehabilitation teaching for blind adults. Back then we called uh, we called it blind rehabilitation for blind adults. Now we tend to say vision rehab therapy. Um, and eventually I earned an online certificate in nonprofit management because uh, although I had a variety of jobs, uh, mostly they've been in the nonprofit sector and in the management area, and I've really found that to be rewarding. In colleges, I ran into several storms, challenges, and really they came around access to textbooks in a timely fashion, and they came around lecture materials. And some professors were willing to be cooperative, and others were not. And you know, a semester ticks by. Week after week, you get 14, 16 weeks. There's not a lot of time to negotiate and get help and change someone's mind. In the meantime, your tests are coming along, and, and it's challenging. I think we're better off than we were for sure back then, and a lot more is accessible. But let's all, you know, we all remember too that you get a lot more protection, help, and support K through 12. That a lot of that goes away when you hit college. So um, another major storm then after college, it was finding the job. And I'll tell you, I struggled to get interviews. I was in interviews where people told me to my face, my company will never hire a blind person to do financial analysis. It, you know, I really ran into roadblocks. I got one job offer. It was to be a commission-based life insurance salesman in a part of town, or like in a part of the state I really didn't want to go. And I thought, it's not really working out the way I planned. So I made a pragmatic decision and I thought, you know, I'm at a university that has a program on, on vision rehab therapy. If I can just tap this and get into organizations and get into areas of influence and management, eventually I could help. And I think there's probably not a lot more important than employment and technology skills and getting yourself prepared for the career path. My career path, I'll, uh, you heard just a quick highlight. I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but I came out of school with my master's degree and my first job was to go to the Idaho Commission for the Blind in Boise, Idaho. And my first venture to the Pacific Northwest or at least Northwest from Chicago. And uh, I started off there as a braille uh, typing and keyboarding instructor. Uh, eventually I was a supervisor for residential training for the state. And that was after two years, but you know, I, I came from that. I want to see where the tech is going. So I was pretty excited about that. And I had a great opportunity to be a computer instructor for blinded veterans at the Heinz VA uh, Central Blind Rehab Center outside of Chicago. So I moved back to Illinois uh, to take that job. And I did that for about four years. And then uh, I, I became familiar with Hadley and I had an opportunity to go to the Hadley School for the Blind, as it was called then, now Hadley Institute for the Visually Impaired serving over 10,000 people around the world who are blind, their family members or professionals who work with blind children and adults. And I had a variety of roles. I started in, uh, I was a teacher for some of the courses. I did some tech support for faculty. Uh, I was involved in curriculum review on the tech. I became the Dean of Education and faculty and eventually the Vice President of Fundraising and Communications. I then went on to the American Foundation for the Blind and I had roles there as director of e-learning and professional development and director, this was a shocker, director of textbook publishing. I didn't know anything about publishing, but I had to learn. And so I was uh, the head of all the textbook publishing that the university programs were using to teach uh, 
professionals to work with blind children and adults. So that was a real cool, cool opportunity. And also I was overseeing the Journal of Visual Impairment and Blindness. Then after some changes at AFB, I was heading up employment initiatives and I was running the National Leadership Conference that AFB has been holding for years. And then that gets me to how I got to the lighthouse. So some of you, many of you probably know Kirk Adams. Kirk Adams, previous president and CEO at the lighthouse. Kirk was on the board of AFB at the time I was working there. And he was looking for board members, especially uh, people who are blind, to be on his board. And through conversations with my, at the time, boss, Carl Augusto, I was one of the people who applied, as I thought it'd be a great experience for me too. And I was selected by going through the process by their board. And so from 2014 to 2018, I was a board member here for the Lighthouse, and I would come into Seattle. uh, And I'd learned so much about what this Lighthouse does and just how impressive, far-reaching, and and fantastic it really is. And I've seen a lot of organizations, and we have a lot of good ones out there. This one really ranks high, and it has such a great reputation around the country in many circles, I have to tell you. So it's really awesome. Really proud to be here. So Cindy Watson, who was the previous president, uh, let me know that there was a position for a senior vice president. I applied for that. And my wife and I moved to Seattle on March 1st, 2020. My job started March 16th, 2020. Mm. And the governor declared the pandemic emergency (laughs) on the 23rd. So the life, the world went upside down and the next big storm hit. And then we've weathered that with some challenges, but actually quite well. And then in August of of last year, August of 21, I became the CEO and president. So you can probably tell I'm all about uh, blind people, developing strong skills to be independent and work ready, uh, and that employment is essential. You know, I got into this career path really because I wanted to help those with visual impairments uh, get the services they deserve, build the skills that they need and get the jobs and grow the careers that they want. So a little overview about the Lighthouse and our future plans. I'll just quickly tell you about the Lighthouse. We started in 1918. We are headquartered in Mount Baker, the Mount Baker neighborhood since 1966. That's our main manufacturing area. We currently have 425 employees uh, across 20 locations in five states. 240 of our employees are blind and deafblind. Uh, We have three blind individuals on our board of trustees. We will have more. Uh, We have three manufacturing centers. And that's what we really are known for and what we started as, as as an organization. So Seattle does manufacturing, Spokane, and Somerville, South Carolina. Anyone wonder why we're in South Carolina? I'll tell you in a second. We also have 15 base supply centers on military bases. They're in Washington. I'll explain a little more what these are. Washington, Nevada, and California. And we do contract management services in California and Alabama. I, I'm really proud to also tell you that we have people with disabilities at the Lighthouse in all levels. We have a lot of folks in manufacturing and retail service for sure. And that's our biggest area of employment. But we have people heading up IT. Uh, we have people in HR, quality assurance, contracting, and the CEO. We put our money where our mouth is. I'll tell you about our manufacturing. So our manufacturing, we do. Uh, we have three main lines, I'll call them. One is defense. So we do products for the government like canteens and canteen cups for the military, an entrenching tool, and personal hydration systems. Like, like These are water bladders that are worn on backpacks. And by the way, every soldier for the Army that gets a canteen through their training 
those are made exclusively at the Lighthouse in Seattle. We also do quite a bit of work in office products. That's our office products line. We do wall boards of all sizes and materials, uh, easels, paper trimmers, and some other products. Um, these are done primarily out in Spokane, which is a, a facility we started back in 08. And then our other line is aerospace. Do you know we've been working with Boeing since 1952, which is really cool. So yes, we have blind and deafblind people that are working on parts that go on the jets we fly on. And the 787 is manufactured and, and built out in South Carolina. We are there to support and to be ready to support more parts going on to the 787. That's why we're in Somerville. And it's proven to be great. We opened that about six years ago. Our base supply centers, these are like stores or retail stores on bases. And they're really different depending on the customer we serve. Some locations we might be selling cleaning supplies and office supplies. Others uh, locations we might sell boots and uniforms. And in others, we have parts uh, that, that go on vehicles for maintenance, like windshield wiper blades and batteries and tires, things like that. It just depends on who we're supporting. And then we have contract serv management services. And this is where we're working with the military who gets a lot, they get a lot of services um, and contracts for products and services. And we have people verifying that uh, the contracts that are open, that they've been fulfilled and we close them. And if they're not fulfilled or there's a problem, we're able to actually help recover millions of dollars that gets returned to the treasury. So that's really great. I'm telling you, we have so many opportunities for people with visual impairments at the Lighthouse. You know, We have people who come to us who have been blind since birth and maybe never got that first job experience, and we're it for them. They come in with a lot of great skills on their O&M and computers and, and Braille and so on, um, but they never got that opportunity to work. So they come to us. They may stay for a couple of years and move on. Some have stayed with us over 50. You know, We had someone retire recently, 54 years of service. So all types of, of folks have found, uh, you know, career and, and, uh, and good jobs there. And then we have people, you know, I, I'd call it another category. These are people who lost their sight later in life. Truck drivers, accountants, police officers, and they never thought they'd work again. They had no idea. Now they find a place with us and they have some opportunities and it's really changed their world. Now, you know what they're lacking, probably some of those blindness skills. And so this is where I come to what makes the Lighthouse really fascinating and unique. We have this employee and community services program. And through our ECS program, uh, and we're unique in what we dedicate. A lot of, obviously, a lot of people do services like we do, but to do a business social enterprise the way we do and provide this kind of support for people who are blind and deafblind uh, at the level we do is pretty unique. We spend over $3 million. Almost none of that's government funds. These are these are raised from the work we're doing on our contracts, or it's our private fundraising. So we're really dedicated to providing services like orientation and mobility training, uh, computer uh, and access technology training, braille instruction, job accommodations. We we do, as you can imagine, a lot of American Sign Language interpreting, and we also support employees who are blind with additional disabilities. And then during the pandemic, unfortunately, it was during the pandemic, but we got to launch our low vision clinic and some low vision services. So we now have a clinic on site and we have a low vision store that currently is by appointment only, but we do take orders by phone and by email. And eventually that will be a walk-in. So we're really excited to be offering that. So our strategic direction, it's really just a few things that you should know right now that are pretty important. 
As you've heard, we do a lot around manufacturing, some in retail and services, but we're looking to find new opportunities to grow our business and opportunities for people who are blind who want to do other work. So we're looking to start one or two businesses in the service sector, totally different than anything we've offered. I don't know what it is yet because we're exploring that, but I'm very eager to hear from you. And I'm here through the banquet tomorrow. So if you have ideas on businesses we could get into or work you'd like us to consider, let me know. I'd really love to hear from you. The second piece of this is we have a lot to offer to employees. And I think we could offer a lot of that to the communities in which we operate. That computer instruction, the Braille instruction, uh, job readiness. And that's whether you want to work with the lighthouse or you don't, that's okay. But I think we have a lot we can offer. And so as time goes on, we're going to be offering more to the blindness community uh, as well. To make that happen, we need to do, <laughs> we have to have more significantly stronger uh, uh, f- fundraising. So uh, we're in the process of upgrading our capacity, our staffing for philanthropy, and we are on the path already to offering more services. So I guess I'll say in closing, we certainly have our challenges and with the pandemic, but I would also venture to say that we have the ability to live and thrive. And I think it's because of some things that are pretty inherent to us. We're resilient. We have creativity, problem solving, persistence, and self-advocacy. And I think these are all factors that make us ideal employees and valuable participants in our communities. These attributes, I think, are why we've weathered so many storms, the pandemic only being one of them, major one, but we've done well. And here we are today. So I want to say to you, the Lighthouse, you know, we stand ready to work with you. We're looking for opportunities to collaborate, and we want to be part of solutions that help make the blindness community stronger. So I look forward to getting to know all of you. I'm thrilled to be here. I'll be here through the banquet, and thank you for having me. I'm going to put a bug in your ear about George. I've told him by the time he leaves, he'll be a WCB member. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That was excellent. How true. What a stormy time during this time. And you weathered it. That's amazing for a corporation.